Awesome. Well, welcome. Good morning. God bless you. I'm so glad you're tuning in. I really pray that this message blesses you and challenges you. Uh, we have been doing a series over the last few weeks about God's promise to Abraham. We've been doing a series called Blessed to be a Blessing. And so I'm going to just read to you from Genesis 12, 3, 1 to 3. And it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so when we're going through this, we said the blessings didn't just stop with Abraham. They didn't just stop with Abram, but they, they continued on to the Israelites. And then we went a bit further and we said they didn't just stop with the Israelites. They continued on right down into the New Testament. When Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, he writes in Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are heirs with Christ. You are heirs with Abraham. You are joint heirs with Christ. You are blessed to be a blessing and you are invited on a journey to move from Struggle Street to Blessing Avenue. You are invited to walk in divine provision. You are invited to walk in divine protection and you are invited to walk with the divine presence of God. Every week we are invited to walk with the divine blessing of God over our life. And so then we looked at that. We, we said that was week one. Week two, we said to everybody, we talked about how we haven't got mountains in our way. We haven't got obstacles in our way. Often the mountains and the obstacles are actually our mindsets. And Jesus said that by faith you can move a mountain, but you're not just moving a physical geographic location, you're moving a mindset. And when we want to move from Struggle Street to Blessing Avenue, the thing that we actually have to get out of our way is the mountain or the mindset that holds us back. Last week we said that provision was provided, not just so that Abraham could have more stuff, not just so he could get more and more things, but so that he could be a blessing. The Israelites were blessed, not so they could have more stuff, but so they could be a blessing. And today, you are blessed, not so you can have more stuff. And we push back against the prosperity doctrine in and of itself, where you just get more, more, more. And we said, you're blessed, not just so you can have more stuff, but so that you are empowered to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. The promise was blessed to be a blessing. That was the promise. That was a promise for Abram, the promise for the Israelites, and the promise for those who are in Christ today. You are blessed to be a blessing. So let me ask you a question this morning. How are we a blessing? How are we doing it? Who are we blessing? And what happens when we become not only recipients, not only a recipient, but we also render the blessing to other people. What would life look like if we weren't just recipients of this blessing, but we began to render the blessing, give the blessing to other people? How did Abraham bless other people? And today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 14. I'm going to invite you to join me on this journey this morning as we look at Abram's life and we see how he took the blessing that God had given him, the provision, the protection, the presence, and he blessed other people. Would you turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 14, verse 1? 
Genesis 14 verse 1 says about this time, war broke out in the region. King Amphrel of Babylon, King Arioch of Elassar, King Kedlamur of Elam, King Tidal of Goim, fought against King Bera of Sodom, King Birisha of Gomorrah, King Shinbad, Shinabah of Adama, King Shemba of Zeboim, and King Bela, also called Zoah. They were really difficult words to try and pronounce, by the way. And this group of kings joins forces with the other force in the Sidon Valley, that is the Valley of the Dead Sea. And for 12 years, they had been subject to King Kedlamur. But in the 13th year, they rebelled. Can I just give you this in the corner? There's this group of kings, and there's this group of kings, and this group of kings has been subject to this group of kings for, 13 year, for 12 years. And in the 13th year, this group of king rebels. And so no king likes to be rebelled against. So this group of kings comes over to this group of kings and they make war. And we're going to pick that up in, in, down a little bit. It says in verse 5, one year later, Kedlamur and his allies, this group, arrived and defeated the Raphaites at Arashoa Kurinim, the Zuites at Ham and the Emites at Shiva Karim. Now, I hope I said all them correct as well. We're then going to drop down. Can you just drop down a little bit further to verse 11? It says the victorious invaders this group of kings, then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and they headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. Verse 12, they also captured Lot, Abram's nephew who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram the Hebrew who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mar the Amorite, Mar and his relatives, Eshkol and Aner, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized 318, can I just, 318 trained men who had been born into his household, and he pursued Kedlamah's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Now, let me ask you a question. This is this morning. Why? Why? Would Abram chase after Kedlamah's army? Why would he use his resources, his fighting men? Why would he risk his blessing to chase after Kedlamah's army? And to find that out, you'd have to go back to chapter 13 and you'd read about the fact that Abram and Lot were two people and, and they went their separate ways because Lot's herdsmen were fighting with Abram's herdsmen. And so Abram said to Lot, let's not fight. We're relatives. You go your way. I go my way. You choose where you want to live. And so Lot lifts his eyes and he chooses the greenest, the best, the most fertile fields ever. Can you, can you just take a minute and ask yourself a question? Why would Abram want to help Lot? What's in it for Abram? What is he going to get if he risks everything to go and rescue Lot? Why would you risk everything to rescue a young... The promise, first of all, was given to Abram. Not, not to Lot. It was given to Abram. I will bless you. Could you imagine Abram sitting there going, well, I'm blessed. I don't need to risk my blessing to help him. He is the guy that fought with my herdsmen. He is the guy that chose the most fertile field. He, can, can you just take it for a minute? Because this is what it means to be blessed to be a blessing. 
Blessed to be a blessing means that I'm going to put it all on the line and risk it. I am going to use the resources that God has blessed me with so that I can be a blessing to somebody else, even if that somebody else has wronged me. Even if that somebody else hasn't done the right thing by me, even if that somebody else has chosen the most fertile land, I am still blessed to be a blessing. My tribe is going to bless every other tribe and nation around me. That's what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. So what does Abram do? He grabs his men and he goes after them. He battles and he defeats the kings and he rescues Lot. This story is far more about Abraham. It says he really is blessed to be a blessing. He doesn't hoard his precious resources, but he risks them. He puts them out. He utilizes them to bless other people. He and 318 men, his resources resources ride out to rescue Lot and his family. Your church, I want to say to you, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are not just a recipient of the blessing But there must come a time in every follower of Christ's life where you are not only the recipient, but you are also the one who pays it on. You are also the one who takes the blessing, but passes that blessing on. I don't ever want to be the blockage where the blessing came to fill and went no further. I don't ever want JC to be the blockage. The blessing came to the people of Jimboomba and then went no further. I want to take the blessing of God and I want to use it to bless other people. Have you ever noticed how Here's this cool thing. Have you ever noticed that that when you bless other people, it's like it makes more room for blessing to come into your life? Have you ever noticed that if you're still hanging on to this, then, then God can't put anything else into your hand? And so many times I meet Christians who are who they've been blessed, they've come from Struggle Street, they've moved to Blessing Avenue, they're blessed, and then they stop. And that was never the promise. You were blessed to be a blessing. You were blessed with physical health, with strength, with vitality so you can bless somebody else. You were blessed with resources, gifts, and talents so you could bless somebody else. You were blessed with finances so you could bless somebody else. You were never supposed to be blessed and then live in Blessing Avenue without moving back to grab people from Struggle Street. Let me give you a story this morning of a Scottish farmer, poor Scottish farmer. I heard about this guy called Mr. Fleming who was working in a field one day when he heard the cry of a child from a nearby Scottish bog. Immediately, he dropped his tools and he rushed toward the sound of the cries. And when he got to the bog, he saw this terrified young boy trying to fight his way out of the thick black mud with very little success. Farmer Fleming waded into the bog and he grabbed the young boy and saved him from what would have been a horrible, horrible death. The next day, as Farmer Fleming's working, this fancy carriage pulls up in his front yard. The nobleman climbs out, elegantly dressed, and introduces himself to the boy's father, Mr. Fleming. Oh, sorry, introduces himself as the boy's farmer to Mr. Fleming. Mr. Fleming, he says, what can I give you to repay the debt? What can I? And Mr. Fleming looks at him and he says, there's nothing, nothing. I, you know, can, can you get this? I was just blessed, so I, I helped somebody. I, I could do it, so I did do it. At that, Father Fleming's boy comes to the door of his house and the nobleman looks over and he sees this fine young man standing in the doorway and he says to Father, Farmer Fleming, he says, what if I take your son and I give him the best 
education and, and what if I take him and, and I educate him and I, I raise him up and I feed him and I clothe him and I look after him as my own. This poor farmer looks at his son, he looks at the wealthy nobleman and he says, you, you know, follow me for a minute. He says, you would use your blessing to bless my son? And so the nobleman says, yes, and Father Fleming says, go for it, take him. That young man went to an expensive school. He finally graduated from St. Mary's Medical School in London. And he became known throughout the whole world, not as Farmer Fleming's son, but as Sir Alexander Fleming, the discoverer of penicillin. But that's not the end of the story. Years later, the nobleman's son was sick. And he was in hospital, plagued with pneumonia. And do you know what saved his life, according to the story? Penicillin. The nobleman's name was Lord Randolph Churchill. His son was ultimately Sir Winston Churchill. I want you to get this this morning. Because the blessing that you pass on can sometimes come back. Every time you bless, every time you do something, it makes more room for more blessing to come into your life. What if the nobleman had just received his son back and said, thank you so much, I'm done. I've got my son back and I'm happy. Well, what if the farmer had have never rescued the boy? Look, I'm busy and you're a sport little brat who's wandered into a bog and I'm trying to do my own job. What if those things had never happened? What if the blessing had stopped with those people and never been passed on? Where would we be today? You know, one of the men attributed with saving the world from the Second World War was Sir Winston Churchill. In fact, Solomon says in Proverbs eleven twenty four, he says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. This blessing isn't just about wealth. It isn't just about prosperity. It's so much more. I want you to read with me this morning back to Genesis 14, verse 16. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, And Abram recovered all the goods. Abram risks it all, risks the blessing to rescue Lot. And he goes out and he fights these kings and he wins the battle and he comes back and it says, And Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken. And he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and the other captives. He put it on the line. He took his blessing. He rode out and rescued Lot and he brought back far more than he left with. But can I tell you this morning, the story's not done. I mean, if that's what happened and Abram went out and he was blessed and he got his family back and he'd used his blessing to bless other people, that would be fantastic. If you use your blessing and you bless other people, that would be absolutely, if you took it out of your hand and made room for God to put more into your hand so that you could make room to give more to other people, that would be fantastic. But I want to tell you, there's something so much more going on. See, I believe this blessing goes beyond provision. It goes beyond protection. It goes to His presence. And I want to say to you this morning, if you want to make room for Christ to be present in your life, then learn to be blessed to be a blessing. Learn to bless other people. You want to make room so the presence of Christ fills your life? Learn to be a blessing. Deliberately go out of your way to bless other people. And when you do, watch what happens. Genesis 14 verse 17 says, After Abram returned from his victory over Kedlamur and his allies, and the, and his allies 
the king Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva. That is the king's valley. That's great. Kings. Can we go a bit further? Verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem and priest of God Most High, El Elyon, God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. And Melchizedek, the king and priest, blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. You have not only been provided for and blessed and protected, God has done everything for you. And then Abram says, the Bible says that Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. It's one of the first times it's in the Word of God where, where a tithe is seen separate from the law. People who talk to me about, oh, the tithe is always under the law. It's not true. Abram took the blessing and he gave a tenth of all the spoils of the war to the priest of the Most High God. And I want to go a bit further because we've got to ask the question, who is Melchizedek? Who, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek's the king of Salem. So let's go through some truths. Salem, Salem, I was reading through some concordances and some commentaries. Apparently, 700 years before Rome was founded, the Jebusites conquered Salem and called it Jebus. Later, the two names were united from Jebus to Salem to become Jerusalem meaning the habitation of peace. Hebrews says, Hebrews 7.2, I'm just going to wait, it's going to get there. Hebrews 7.2 says, to whom also Abram gave a tenth part of all, first being translated, he gave a tenth to King Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, and then also the king of Salem, meaning king of peace, habitation of peace. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who in the Bible is the king of righteousness and the prince of peace. Who in the Bible is this person talking to? You are either a king or you are a priest, but there's one man in the word of God who is both king and priest. And he's seen when he meets Abram as Melchizedek and he's seen 2,000 odd years later as Christ, the son of the living God. Hebrews 7, 3 says, There is no record of his father or his mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. I want you to get this this morning. This king of righteousness and this king of peace with no beginning and no end of days, he comes to Abram with bread and wine. Who else have we seen as a king of righteousness and a king of peace coming with bread and wine. It's Christ. It's Jesus. What if, what if when we use the gifts God's given us, it goes far beyond just making more room for prosperity and blessing to come into our life? What if when we choose to bless other people beyond prosperity, beyond protection, beyond provision, what if it actually brings His presence into our life more? What if we have a greater relationship? This personification of Christ as king comes and meets Abram right there. I want you to get that this morning, church. 
I believe there's times in our life when God calls us to rise up and to risk it all and to be a blessing. And when we do, we find provision. When we do, we find protection. But more than anything else, when we do, we find his presence. His presence is right there, right in the midst of that place because we're a blessing. We're not just blessed. We're not just recipients, but we've passed the blessing on. What if when we use what God has given us to bless other people, to provide for them and to protect them, what if that was a deeper revelation of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Isn't that the message of the gospel? That, that this, this blessing isn't just for you. It isn't just for here and now. This blessing that God has bestowed upon you is to be taken and shared with other people. If you were sitting there today and trying to count the blessings, look at the blessings that God has done. See if you can count them one by one. Imagine the blessings that God has put upon your life and every blessing, every gift, every talent, every skill He's ever given you, every breath He's ever given you isn't just to stop with you, but it's to be blessing somebody else. And in doing that, you create room for more blessing. You create room for more provision. You create room for more protection. But more than anything else, you create room for his presence. Can I encourage you this morning? You are blessed to be a blessing. As we come around this morning, I want to just take this moment. I want to boil it down to a time of communion, to the bread and to the wine. The bread and the wine that pointed not only to Jesus sitting around the table with his disciples at the Last Supper, but pointed even further when Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, this bread, this is my body. And this wine, this is my blood that's poured out. This life is my life and I'm giving it to you. Church, this blessing of his presence isn't supposed to stop with us, but has to continue to move forward. You are blessed to be a blessing. And I want you to just take a moment this morning and hold those emblems in your hand. Realize just what you've been blessed with. Forgiveness of sins. Do you forgive those who sin against you? Do you withdraw from people or do you push towards them and bless them? You've been blessed with so much this morning. And I believe God's calling us and pleading with us sometimes and saying to us, you're blessed to be a blessing. As we stand this morning, Father, I'm looking at these emblems in my hand and of all the things you've done for me. And sometimes, God, I'm a little embarrassed that I haven't blessed others to the same degree. Lord, help me with that. Help me to not only be a recipient of this blessing, but help me, Father, to pass the blessing on. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we take a moment and just drink together, eat together. Let's drink together. And let me pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord protect you. 
May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favour and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go this morning, I just want to take a couple more minutes and invite you to come in person or to tune in online for our Good Friday and our Easter Sunday services. Our Good Friday service will start at 8 a.m. So I encourage you to tune in early, get ready. We're going to share communion. It's not going to be a long service, but if you can make it in person, can I encourage you to come in person? The deck's open for those who feel uncomfortable to gather in the auditorium. The deck's open, the fans are on. It's a beautiful place to come and sit. And we would love to host you and host your family and introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We'd love to share communion with you. So Friday, 8 a.m. here in the church or feel free to tune in online. Sunday at 9.30 a.m. as usual, we'll be holding our Sunday celebration, our resurrection service. I invite you to tune in or join us here for both. May the Lord richly bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week. See you later. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.